Hi everybody, this is uh, Andy LeBeau of Commodity Research Group, and I'm joined by Marty Stetzer, the president of EKT Interactive, and uh, we are going to be talking about the oil market and the EIAs today. This is our weekly podcast. Today is August 15th. And uh, Marty, it's it's good to have you this week. Well, thanks, Andy. Good to be here. Always something to uh, learn from the podcast, and there sure is a lot going on in your markets, isn't there? Oh my goodness, the, the market is yeah, the market is rocking, and actually, it, it's rolling down as we uh, as we speak today. Interesting. We were talking before the podcast, you said this is also true of, of a number of the commodities that are, seem to be in a rolling down mode, as you put it. Yeah, today's a, today's a roll down, get me out type, uh, type day. Um, sentiment is turning uh, bearish in commodity and uh, equity markets. Uh, I think the, uh, you know, the theme today is, or this week has really been concerned on the uh, on the growth side uh, in terms of how will uh, higher interest rates, the stronger dollar, tariffs, the the Turkey, you know, the Turkish potential crisis, how that's going to affect uh, global growth going forward, and uh, of course that's a uh, a big concern in the in the petroleum markets as uh as you know marty the um both diesel jet fuel you know are immediately affected on the uh you know in, in terms of uh global growth as as is petrochemicals to a certain extent exactly let me i think we'll, let's talk about the numbers okay the um you know they were bearish so that didn't help either I mean, they, they were the EIAs were clearly, uh, you know, clearly bearish. The crude stocks built by um, 6.8 million. We were looking, the street was looking for a draw of 2.4. I was looking for a bigger draw. Gasoline, gasoline was okay. That came in with around expectations of uh, of a draw of uh, minus a half. Distillates built by 3.7. Uh, the street was looking for uh, for 0.7, so that was bearish. And total stocks and Cushing stocks all built, so uh, really a bearish cocktail on this on these EIAs. And uh, the crude number, really, it, you know, you had record. We had a huge demand for crude this week. Uh, runs were like 17.9, which was a you know a, re a, a record. But despite that, stocks built, and the reason they built were imports were way higher than any of us had uh, had expected. Exports a little a little bit lower, but um, you know, Marty, we've been talking. I, I know in these weeklies, I talk about a fudge factor. It's it's called the adjustment that the EIA throws out when the variables don't match up, and in crude, right. the adjustment has been really big these last three or four weeks. So they they've got something wrong on their individual variables. I suspect it's on the production side, but uh, they had a big adjustment upwards and, and that was another factor for the build. But the uh, heck with all the adjustment and everything, the, the, you know, this build sort of changes things. We were, I still think we're going to see draws in the next few weeks. 
but you know we're drawing from a higher level and um, you know so we'll see a few we'll probably see a few more draws and then we're going into turnarounds uh, as we head into September and October so we might start you know the market will start seeing things rebuild uh, so the, this number definitely a um, I don't want to say a total game changer, but the last couple of weeks, you know, we've seen builds where, where we should have seen draws, and, and that is uh, certainly um, challenging for the, for the bulls. Uh, gasoline, as I've been saying, there's nothing, you can't get excited about gasoline, so it came in around where it should have been. Uh, so, you know, gasoline still looks neutral to bearish to me you know it, it's day supply or two days above the four-year average and um you know i can't i can't say anything great about gasoline here unfortunately uh other than the fact that it was less bearish than the other ones distillate this this is a this is something to be looking at because we've been so bullish on distillate and, and stocks are, are rebuilding faster than uh, than what we had thought it's still overall in pretty good shape uh, at 33 days supply, which of course is stocks divided by demand versus the four-year average of, of 37. But uh, you know, it's it's less bullish than than it had been, obviously, uh, with uh, with this kind of uh, with this kind of build. So distillate, um, I'd still I'd still put it in the bull camp. But uh, the, the other thing to be concerned about is with production so high, you know, crude runs so high, we might, you know, refiners are definitely going to start uh, or already have started um, producing, for, uh, producing for diesel because that's really uh, the product that, that's been carrying the load here uh, over, uh, for refinery margins over the last, uh, you know, the last couple of years here. Um, right. Diesel's been carrying the load. Uh, finally, total stocks, big build in total stocks, naturally, everything built, including and propane built and other stocks built. So, you know, you had a 19 million barrel build in total stocks. So uh, that's, that's bearish too. I mean, the report was, you know, there's nothing more to say. The report was bearish and, you know, the market's getting, market's getting hit. But as you mentioned earlier, Marty, I think the mar market's getting hit, you know, in concert with some of the other markets. Yeah. You know, Andy, one of my uh, kind of short-term indicators on what's going on, and, and we've talked before, I, I tend for my training group to look at the little longer range indicator, but here, interesting short-term indicator, gasoline prices along the highway. Uh, low cash price, $2.47 a gallon. Exxon competing with Valero. Mid-range number credit price for uh, this is regular about 269 and uh, the high price again uh, highway but uh, not as well traveled as some of the other spots and not close to say hypermarket running around 299 so there's a 50 60 cents a gallon spread uh, on gas prices just along the highway down here and appears to be down over the past couple of weeks, especially the cash pr cash price offer from the independents. So it might be a little bit of what you're saying on gas prices. I don't know if it's if it totally makes it, makes it all the yeah. way through the market like that. You know? Yeah, at least you know. And despite you know relatively benign gasoline prices at the pump, you know the the demand is nothing again nothing 
you know, not, nothing to get that excited about. Right. Um, you know, it's been, it's been okay, but I think at the, at the end of the day, at the end of the year, gasoline demand is going to be marginally higher than, uh, than year ago. Um, so yeah. Even with all the fuel efficiencies and all the electric cars and all that stuff, right? Right. Yeah. We'll still, we'll still see a, a modest growth, but you know, nothing like what we saw, I think in, it was in 15. Yeah. I think it was 2015 or, or 16 when pump right. prices were really low and, uh, the, um, consumers definitely took advantage of that. Uh, it's amazing that we're, you know, we were worried about, uh, we were worried about higher pump prices and, and the release of the SPR just a few weeks ago. And, uh, you know, I think those worries for the time being are, are gone by the boards. Correct. Well, I think we should talk uh, a little bit about the, the uh, you know, the, 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 what's going on in, in global markets. Uh, there, there has been one big change uh, besides, besides the focus on demand here these last couple of weeks. But uh, the physical market has gotten weak in the last, um, I'd say, four to, you know, four to five weeks, the globe, the, the, the particularly in the um, Eastern, Eastern Hemisphere, the Brent market uh, is uh, really soft. 40s crude, which is a physical crude, uh, a light sweet crude, uh, is about, I think it's 80 cents under dated Brent. Uh, and Brent, Brent also is, is, is weak. Um, the Brent paper is like 80 cents under the physical dated, dated Brent. So we're, 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 and the structure of the market of the Brent market has gone into a contango, uh, which, which of course is the, is the second month is higher than the first month indicating a surplus. And I think that what's happened is the Iranian production is still going, you know, they're, they're up at three, eight. There's people, consumers are buying, they're bought, their purchasers are buying less, but they're still buying and there's still Iranian barrels on the market, uh, which are competing with the Saudi barrels. Uh, the Saudis have, have increased production. Kuwait, the UAE has increased production. Russia's increased production. So there's a near-term surplus on the market and the physical market is um, showing that uh, to the extent where floating storage is beginning to, you know, there's more, um, crude now in ships. So we're seeing floating storage, which is never a great sign. Uh, and Nigeria as well, as well as having trouble selling, you know, selling their barrels. And I think that that is a combination of all this Iranian crude that's been out in the market, you know, in anticipation of these sanctions coming, coming on, uh, you know, in, in November. And right now is the wind down period, uh, where, you know, uh, Consumers are going. Their their purchasers are going to start buying less and less. So, Andy, can can uh, the Saudis and, and maybe even the Russians make up for this Iranian shortfall? Is there is there uh, production capacity to, to take care of that? Well, this capacity, there's, I don't think there's will to. Tell, I don't think they're going to. I think the Saudis. You know, the, there's definitely some differences about where what the Saudis are producing. 
you know, whether it's the Saudis told OPEC they're producing 10.3 uh, million barrels a day. Secondary sources have them closer to 10.5, 10, 10, 10.45. I think what the Saudis want to do is produce enough to keep the market in a range. You know, what I think it's 70, 80 Brent or six, you know, 65, 75 or even 65, 80, you know, so, some range. They certainly don't want to see the market um, get completely, you know, completely walloped. I don't think they want the market to get too high, um, you know, and get out of, you know, get completely out of control and, and get beyond them. Uh, so I think they're looking at a range. And Marty, I think as we were mentioning, you know, uh, pre-podcast, it's like, you know, the old time, you know, the, the, the Saudis have the power in the market now because they have the spare capacity. Um, you know, it, it's certainly somewhat, you know, it's how they used to operate. Exactly. And exactly. And, uh, and there's been a lot of talk about the uh, Permian and the U.S. becoming a swing producer. But yes, we have uh, the production capacity. But as everybody knows from our podcast and just watching the news, uh, there's not a lot of shipment and transportation capacity. So you can't be a swing producer if you can't get it to market. And uh, until some of that capacity is restored, I think you're right. The Saudis have, again, moved back to their uh, ability to motor things up and down easier than anybody else in the range that they think is, is uh, economic for them, for their internal budgets, and low enough to keep uh, radical investments in alternative energy sources kind of at bay. I mean, they may be needed, uh, you know, long, long term, but uh, there's a whole different uh, investment scenario if crude's at $70 for the alternative sources, uh, you know, if crude was at $120 a barrel. Right. Uh, and I don't think they want to see crude at $120. they are they are clearly the swig producer because they have all the spare capacity. Uh, you know, we, it takes time. I mean, there's the, in the U.S., it takes it takes time for us to increase and, and reduce uh, reduce production. There's shorter cycle barrels in the you know for the shale production, but nevertheless, it's, it's not like a you know you can change things monthly um, as as or you know whatever a month or two as, as the Saudis can. Well, and, and to to your point, the other uh, thing we talked about before the before the session is the real indicator of the short cycle barrels in the U.S. is the U.S. rig count, which uh, according to Baker Hughes uh, is uh, 1057, up slightly uh, this week, but uh, a little more than 10% since this time last year. But the most interesting thing in the numbers that uh, I found was almost half the rigs are working in the Permian. So if that production or the wells become less economic or the uh, what we're starting to see is the price of the services the fracking and and the sand is starting to increase uh, they're going to be more squeezed at $70 a barrel than the Saudis so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next uh, let's just say the next 12 months even with all the pipeline capacity and and some of the shipping capacity that they're trying to add to, uh, to make sure these Permian barrels can get to market. No, you're, av you're absolutely right. I mean, 70, I think they're okay, but you get it, you know, well, 70, the, the, the Permian is trading like 16, $17 under. 
under um, yeah. under 64 which is around where WTI is 63 64 so we're looking at uh, 47 dollars I mean you could still make money but you know it's it's not, not, clearly not so easy and of course there have been you know not surprisingly we're, we're beginning to see some some consolidation amongst the uh, US producers which, with some big deals done um, you know late, late last week and, and early this week you know so so that, and I don't think that's I think we're going to see more and more of that uh, and as you mentioned the costs you know costs are beginning to you know beginning to rise pretty rapidly. Yeah, and they've had huge efficiency increases uh, over the past, you know, four or five years. We're talking 20, 25% productivity increases. But you can't keep those up year after year after year. There's a, a physical, mechanical supply chain limit in the shale as to, you know, how low can you go on your production efficiencies. So as, as some of these costs rise, you're right. With that net back price, some of these some of these uh, parts of the Permian may not not be as uh, profitable enough to drill, or maybe enough to drill, but maybe not complete. Right, uh, right. Until we'll until prices come back a little bit. Right, and and what's you know, and and that that is so important because again, looking at these balances, you know, we we really have to come through, you know, on our production numbers. Uh, you know, we're supposed to increase, we're supposed to grow a million barrels a day next year. And uh, we're probably, you know, we're going to need those barrels. I I'm not sure we're going to get there. That's a million barrels a day of, of crude and, and probably another two or 300,000 a day of uh, natural gas liquids. So, um, you know, I, I think we're not going to get there. I don't think we're going to grow by a million barrels a day. I think it's, I think it's going to come in, uh, I think it's going to come in short of that, uh, which is, again, is uh, more of the, you know, again, arguing on the, on the bullish side uh, of the market if we, if we don't come through. Well, to, to add to that, Andy, another one of the uh, industry observers that I watch uh, fairly closely because they've got a good long historical perspective is, is starting to raise the concern that we're drilling up the sweet spots in the shale. The shale is not a consistent layer like a coal field. It's got the same uh, reservoir uncertainties as a, as a conventional reservoir. And uh, they, they're starting to get concerns not only about the high decreases in initial production rates, but also the fact that maybe some parts of this reservoir are not as, as prolific as others. So that could be another uh, squeeze on the ability to increase production that you're talking about next year. Right. Yeah, ab absolutely. Of course, there are the other guys that will argue that they're, they're going to be able to, on the secondary, you know, you go to the sweet spots, and then, then you go to the secondary spots, and then, then you know, some, some of the producers who are always optimistic, you know, Marty, they're always, they're always, they'll well, maybe, always tell you, we can do yeah. it. Well, maybe they're um, not spots, they're just freckles. Who knows? Yeah, just freckles. So they go to these other spots, you know, and you always hear, you always hear the story, you know. We'll, always. We'll be able to, yeah, we'll, we'll be able to do it. I mean, I, I don't, you know, yeah, you don't really want to doubt the U.S. producers, but I don't, I don't think, you know, it may take them a, a little bit longer. Uh, but I, I don't, that million barrels a day next year, I think is going to be, uh, it's going to be tough to come by. Okay. Anything else, Andy, that we want to chat about? Well, I just think on, um, you know, look, looking at uh, prices, I, I do think that, uh, yeah, the market may overshoot here. It's really worried about, um, 
demand growth. Uh, but nevertheless, demand is going to grow. Uh, it may maybe we'll shave it. We have to shave it by a hundred thousand barrels a day or two hundred. But you know, we're looking this year. It's going to grow a million and a half barrels a day and one point four million barrels a day next year. Uh, you know, we're going to have to go into a big time recession not to grow. So you know, I I, I do think that. Um, the fourth quarter still looks good to me. The first quarter looks looks uh, looks okay because we are going to lose these Iranian barrels. It's just a question of how much. Um, and demand is go is going to grow. Uh, there's going to be some dislocation in in, in the market on uh, on tariffs. But you know, I I, I think you, you look at these again. You look at these balances. They look they look. Uh, they look pretty constructive, so uh, you know we'll we'll see. Um, you know we'll see, we'll see where we come out. You know where the market does find some support and uh, you know and rallies out of here. It's um, yeah, I, I don't think we're far. Interesting. Be fun to watch. It's always interesting to watch. Yes, that's for sure. So. Um, Thank you for listening to this podcast. Uh, you can find us on uh, Commodity Research, www.commodityresearchgroup.com on the, on the web. My, my email is alabeau at commodityresearchgroup.com. And Marty, they can find you. Uh, Marty Stetzer, uh, president of EKT Interactive www.ektinteractive.com. If you're a crude trader and wonder what Andy and I were talking about when we talked about refinery runs, or if you're a distillate trader and would like to know a little bit more about the global crude oil market and how things happen in the Permian Basin, feel free to take a look at our website. Uh, our Oil 101 series could be a big help to you. Andy, always enjoy uh, talking with you. I learn something about the market every time we do this. Me too. That, thanks a lot, Marty. Love, to, love talking to you on these, uh, on these weeklies. Thanks, everybody, for listening. <laughs>